Well, it's good to see you all today. It's good to see some uh, people I don't know, and it's good to see faces I do know that ha- I haven't seen and been sick and back again. Miss Gloria, it's good to see you back with us, and um, all of you. Let us uh, turn our hearts to God in a word of prayer. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we are thankful for your goodness and grace to us. Uh, thank you for the Scripture, for the Holy Spirit, and for uh, the presence of Jesus Christ with us. Father, thank you that you have chosen uh, weak vessels like us to, uh, to serve you and through whom you would work. Father, thank you for the treasure that we have in jars of clay uh, to prove and to show that the surpassing power and excellency does not come from us, but from you. Father, we're thankful for the, the word and thank you for the opportunity, and we pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit says and that your Spirit would choose to graciously speak through through me. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I I want to direct your attention to uh, Exodus chapter 4. Many of you have probably forgotten about our four-part mini-series within the major series of the book of Exodus and uh, the Lord summoning his servants. Um, I did not forget because it's on my computer. (laughs) Um, But if you have a Bible, Exodus chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading at verse 10. Please hear God's words. Uh, But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him, and take in your hand the staff with which you shall do the signs. Uh, Last week we um, went to the end of the book, in chapter 40, and saw the uh, trajectory of all that comes before 
And uh, the goal of salvation is Emmanuel, that God would dwell with us and in Christ dwell in us and uh, fill us with his glory, fill us with himself. This is what the Apostle Paul prayed for. Uh, In chapter 3 of Ephesians, you probably recall, he prayed that according to the riches of God's glory, he would strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love and have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length, what is the height and depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge for what end that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Um, it's the goal in the Old Testament, it's the goal of the New Testament, is that we be filled with the fullness of God. Uh, That's what true success looks like, to be full of God, overflowing with God. Remember, Moses couldn't enter into the temple because it was all about God. It wasn't about Moses. It was about God filling the temple, or the tabernacle in this case. It's about God filling us, that we be flooded with God, full of God, seeping with God, leaking with God that we would just be immersed and overwhelmed and overcome with God. Um, I heard about that in our worship service already. The desperate need we have for God to just fill and overflow our lives. And that was the goal of of this um, salvation. It's what success really looks like. It's not about, success is not about true success. It's not about money. It's not about your honey. It's not. It's, it's not about uh, our children. It's not about uh, money or our career or our education or our job, our portfolio, our possessions, our achievements. These things are nice, but you can have all those things and not have Jesus and not have God. Jesus said you can gain the whole world lose your very self, lose your very soul. And that uh, sign of true success is, is growth in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, I recall my own mother telling me that many, many years ago, that, uh, Brian, you can have everything you want, but if you don't have Jesus, you're a failure. And it's true. It really is. Um, Knowing Jesus, loving him, serving him, what true success looks like. And often, um, as you see in this passage, we don't experience the success we should because we're more convinced of our own inadequacies than of God's sufficiencies. And we're, we're overwhelmed with our own wickedness we never really experience the success we could in Christ because of what we see in Moses, unfortunately, at this particular point in his life is just basic insubordination. Um, the Lord had summoned Moses uh, to serve. He had summoned Moses to go to Egypt, to confront Pharaoh, uh, to bring his people out of bondage and to bring them into a a land of promise, and and we see the end of the book. In chapter 40, we see the goal of the glory of God, 
the presence of God, Emmanuel, and, and God's glory filling the tabernacle. What a wonderful thing it must have been to behold. And, and it was a shadow. It was a shadow. You have the substance. That's what the goal is, is that uh, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And um, sometimes we don't, uh, we don't get there like we should because we're convinced that we're inadequate. Um, newsflash, you are inadequate. <laughs> you are insufficient, and you are insubordinate. <laughs> so can we talk, you know? <laughs> That's true of every one of us. It shows how desperately we need a Savior. And um, so we should be zealous, number one, to serve God, even with our weaknesses. Uh, God had summoned Moses. Um, we haven't been in this passage a while. Just give a quick overview. You know the passage but he had summoned Moses from the burning bush and, and, and Moses uh, rightfully, humbly said uh, to, to God's call, who am I that I should go and confront Pharaoh and bring up the people of Israel out of bondage? And that's true, Moses. It's true of you as well. Who are we? Uh, God never intended for us to go at it alone. Uh, left to ourselves, we would, <laughs> we would never do anything of service to God. Um, Jesus said, uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, but with Jesus, uh, we can do all things. Um, with Jesus inside, we can do immeasurably more than anything we could possibly ask or imagine. God is able, according to the power at work within us, God is able to do it in us. Um, inadequacy doesn't matter. And so, so the Lord's, Lord's response to Moses' first inquiry was, uh, I'll be with you. I'm coming with you, Moses. Um, and then, then Moses said, as you recall, uh, well, if I come to the people and they say, well, what's his name? What, what, what should I tell him? What's your name? I need your resume or your reputation. What, what can you tell me about yourself? And uh, this is, you know, he's pulling at straws because God already just told him who he was. When he came to the bush, he said, I'm the God of your fathers. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Didn't you, you forgot already, huh, Moses? Um, and so, but Moses was looking and groping for a little bit more. And, and God said, I am that I am. Which is tantamount to saying, uh, the Lord revealed that he'd be all that Israel needed him to be for them to receive the promises he's made and for them to do the purposes for which he gave them. He'll be sufficient. He'll be everything they need and more than what they need uh, so that they get the promises and that they fulfill the purposes that God has given to, him, given to them. And then, then God goes on. He talks about uh, being the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He repeats himself um, that that's my memorial name by which I am to be called for all generations and, and so, so in saying that, God is saying to Moses and, and through Moses to the people of Israel, uh, remember who I was to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will be no less to you. I'll be even more to you because I'm aiming to fulfill even more with you and reveal even more of himself. Um, so he'll be no less. And um, 
Then, then Moses uh, goes on uh, to say, uh, this really shows um, some of the boneheadedness of all of us who are called to serve, uh, including uh, yours truly as well as you all. <laughs> uh, Moses, uh, God had just said that they will believe you. And Moses comes right on the heels of that and says, they will not believe me. <laughs> um, I'm thinking if I was God at this point, I would say, you know something, Moses, go back to the sheep. <laughs> I'll find somebody else. But God is so merciful. God is so gracious. He's relentless in his pursuit, just like he was with Jonah years after this. God said to Jonah, go. Jonah said, no. <laughs> There's a fish. Let's go fishing, Jonah. Um, so, so God gives Moses signs. He gives him uh, signs and he promises wonders that he will perform uh, to prove the authenticity of himself as well as the authenticity of Moses' call. And uh, it brings us to our passage at this point uh, where, where Moses says, um, he, he pulls the inadequate card. Well, I've never been a good speaker. And, and you can hear, as many people have pointed out, you can hear Moses even blaming God in saying this. Because he says, I've never been a good speaker, and, and since I've been talking to you, it hasn't changed. Um, uh, Moses was literally a man of, of slow speech. He had a heavy mouth and a heavy tongue. Um, James would have loved him. Um, someone once wrote, God made us exactly the way he wanted. If that is the case, then our abilities, our inabilities, and disabilities are ordained by him for his glory. Every time we complain about our personal limitations, we are insulting the God who made us. Um, do you ever feel inadequate? God called you to do something. You don't feel like you measure up. We've already said you are inadequate. We all are. We're all insufficient. And Moses proves something about himself as well as us that we're all insubordinate when it really comes down to it. And we really need to stop looking to ourselves and look to the one who sends us. That he's all sufficient. And God says to Moses, I'll be with your mouth. I'll tell you exactly what to say. And it's the same with the scripture. God has already said what we should say. It's all been written. It's been written for years before our great-grandparents were even alive. It's been written. It's right there. And, and what God simply calls his servants to is faithfulness. Just go and say what I said. That's what John the Baptist was. He said, I'm just a voice. I'm just saying what I was told to say. I'm just a messenger. Um, that's what God calls us to be, messengers. Uh, some in an official status, but all in an so-called unofficial general status. We're all called to be messengers of the king. Um, 
You know, um, this passage gives me great comfort um, because Paul was a very, very unimpressive speaker. Did you know that? He wasn't much to hear. That's why this passage always gives me great comfort. Because <laughs> most of the times I don't think I'm much to hear either. Um, this is what uh, some of the best sermons I've preached. I've preached in the shower. Um, <laughs> only the angels heard them. But look at what, uh, look at what um, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10. Um, For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. <laughs> That's the Apostle Paul. That's what they said about his preaching. It was of no account. Um, look at verse uh, 6 of chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. Um, uh, Paul says, even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge indeed in every way I've made this plain in all things. Paul admitted, I was unskilled in speaking. It's always a good day when people point that out to me. I just say, well, you know, that's, it's true. Um, uh, Paul could say, um, you know, you remember the story of, of Eutychus and uh, Paul was preaching one night and um, went on to midnight. Thankfully, you don't have to stay, sit here till midnight. <laughs> Trust me, I, we've only paid for a certain hour. Um, we can go out in the courtyard if you like, but um, I have places to be as you do as well. But there was a guy, Eutychus, and Paul was preaching, and he kept going on and on. And, uh, and while he was speaking, Eutychus fell asleep. Um, that is not to be applied today. That's not an application. But he fell asleep, and he fell out the window three stories up and died. That's enough to get you fired, right? I mean, <laughs> but then Paul went down and raised him from the dead. That's job security there, buddy. You know, and so, so, I mean, he wasn't really that skilled of a preacher. I mean, he couldn't hold people's attention. Moses just didn't have a way with words, and neither did the Apostle Paul. And, and it's, you know, it's in good company. You know, Jesus although no man ever spoke like him before, uh, you can't say the same thing about Jesus that you could say about Moses and, and, um, and Paul, but, but Jesus was really nothing impressive to behold, according to Isaiah. He just was just a plain old Joe, or plain old uh, Jesus. Um, but he wasn't really that impressive to look at. But oh, when he started to open his mouth, you knew there was something different. Um, uh, Jesus was, was like Leah. Remember Leah? Leah was ugly compared to Rebecca. Rebecca was a centerfold, babe. The Bible says so. That's the urban translation. But Leah was ugly. She, had, she was weak eyes, man. It was hard to look at Leah. Um, let's be honest. Um, the Bible didn't shrink from saying it, so why should you and I? It's because the Bible's trying to make a point that Jesus is like Leah. Not much to behold. But Judah came from Leah. And Jesus came from Judah. 
Um, God does things differently than we expect him to. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 17. Um, uh, he said, uh, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And in chapter 2 of verse 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 2, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but a demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, if you feel like you're inadequate like Moses did, like Paul knew he was, like, like, like some of us know we are, and, and you ought to know you are, that, that gives you a platform of prayer to go to God and depend on Him and say to God, I am inadequate. I'm not sufficient. And I need sufficiency to come down from you to me. I need you to work through my inadequacies. Through them. Not so much in spite of them, but through them. We have, we have a treasure in a jar of clay, a broken jar of clay to prove the power is not from us, but it comes from God. You've got a gospel. You've got a message about Jesus Christ. You've got a message about the cross. And it comes often through brokenness and through weakness. And God has designed it that way so that folk would know it's not you. It's God Almighty. Um, God often does things this way. Uh, he gives us what, what someone has called design deficits to demonstrate our need for Him. Even in creation, when God made Adam all by Himself, God said it's not good. He was built with a divine deficit. It was a design deficit. So he made a woman to make them better. And all the women said, Amen. <laughs> he was incomplete. It was not good. Wandering all over the garden by himself. What's he going to do? He needed a woman to tell him what to do, right? <laughs> all right. Uh, start a little trouble up in here. I have a friend who has a GPS who changed the voice from a woman to a man because he said, I, it's enough for me to have all, one woman telling me what to do all the time. All right. My wife and I were joking about this uh, this week when she lost her voice. I said, you're like Moses, I'm like Aaron. Anyway. Remember what Jesus said about the man born blind? He was born with a design deficit. For what purpose? His disciples said, well, who sinned? That's the first thing they brought up. Did their parents sin or did he sin? Jesus said it was neither one. I made him this way for the glory of God to be demonstrated through him. Um, that's what God says to Moses in verse 12. He says, I'll be with your mouth. I'll tell you what to say. And... Um, and then here comes the insubordination. 
Then Moses said, in verse 13, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. <clears throat> now that would have got you a backhand in my house growing up. But God is merciful. But it says in verse 14, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. He got mad. God got mad because God had already answered all his questions. He had already given him all his accommodations. He had already proven himself to Moses. He turned his hand to leprosy and turned it back again. He turned a snake into a, a, a rod into a snake and then back again. He already proved himself. He demonstrated himself. I mean, Moses, the bush is burning and it hasn't burnt up. That should be enough itself. Um, and God got angry with him. And uh, because Moses was insubordinate, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you to do? Um, you know, what, what, what God saw in Moses here, what you and I see in Moses here, is the same thing that happened with Israel, isn't it? They come to the front door of the promised land. They say, we can't. God can't. Moses can't. Let's get rid of him. Let's go get somebody else. Let's go back to Egypt. God got mad. He said, you die right here. Uh, they thought they're giants in the land. We're inadequate. They're bigger than we are. They're stronger than we are. They got Superman. Who do we have? God's point was, you got me. I just, I just overcame Egypt. Nobody could get with Egypt when Egypt was in its heyday, but God got with him. Buried him in the sea. And... Um, God wants us to be zealous to serve God even with our wickedness. To bring our wickedness, our insubordination to God and confess it. Confess what's really going on at the center of our heart when God, God gives us a calling, God gives us gifts to serve and um, we need to use them. We need to use them. And sometimes there, there may be some of you here who can sing. You play an instrument, but you'd rather not, even though you have the skill. Um, some who can speak or preach and need to adjust things in life so that that's an open door. Whatever God has gifted you to do, whatever God has called you to do, don't let inadequacy stop you and don't let insubordination stop you. If God has placed something with you, if he's given you a gift. A couple weeks ago we spoke about um, uh, the gifts that, that God calls us to give. When God gives us gifts, he gives them to us to give them away, not to save them for a rainy day. We, we responsively read about the, the man with the talent. He had one talent, and he said, well, I'm going to hide it because God's a hard man. And I may fail if I go out there and try to use it. And I might fall on my face and mess up. Newsflash, you are going to fail. <laughs> you are going to fall on your face. If I had a dime for every time I failed, I wouldn't need to work. Uh, that's true. I know that's true. Amen, amen. Um, 
It may be true of you too, probably is. But if you sit back thinking about, um, I'm going to hide my talent because I don't know what's going to happen, I could possibly fail, and, and you've got that perfectionist thing going on, and I, I, I can't do this because it's just not exactly right, you just need to go out there and, and abandon and just go for it. And just say, Jesus, here I go. And watch him show up. He was there before you got there. Right? You're standing there waiting, and you could share the gospel with someone sitting there next to you, and, and you say, well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're already believers, you know? Well, you don't know until you ask, do you? You just strike up a conversation. Just go out there and blurt it out. Hey, I was praying this morning. Really? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Just say something, right? Look like a fool, man, for the gospel. Isn't that what God calls us to? Amen, anyone? Read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 if you don't believe it. Let me read it. Not the whole chapter. I'll read a portion. Give you the gist. You already know the gist. Some of you already know where I'm going. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing, things that are. Why would God choose someone like Moses, like Paul, like you? Well, here it is, verse 29, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, he who has become wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Who causes you to be different? What do you have that you haven't received? And if you've received it from God, why boast as if you didn't? Every good thing we have, every gift we have comes from God. Every talent we have, every skill we have, every intuitiveness, intuition that we have, everything good that we have comes from God. And it's for His glory. And he, he, he demonstrates his glory through our weakness. And so we don't, like Moses here, have a, have a calling to be insubordinate and keep whining and whining. Um, and, 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 oh, God, please send somebody else. You've got all power and all wisdom. Certainly you can find somebody else. God gave you the gifts, right? God gave you the calling. Um, and so, so God calls you. To go. And that's why um, we need someone better than Moses. Uh, we, need, we need someone better than Paul. We need someone who, who never hesitated, never vacillated, never bellyached, never disobeyed. We need Jesus, of whom the Bible says he delighted to do the will of his Father. Your law is within my heart. I delight to do what you tell me to do. Listen to what Jesus, it said of Jesus in Isaiah uh, chapter 50. This is a very uh, potent passage. Um, 
in terms of what we're speaking of in Isaiah chapter 50. Um, this starts at verse, uh, verse, um, verse 4. It says, The Lord God has given me a tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary morning by morning. He wakens, he wakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. Moses was rebellious. Oh Lord, please send someone else. I was not rebellious. I turned my backward. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike in my cheeks, to those who pull out the beard. I hid, my, hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. That's what you and I have to know. But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced, therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. God gave Moses his name. And he calls you and I to trust in that name. His name is I am. I am with you through it all. In all that God calls you. In all that God has skilled you. He is with you. There's no reason to be ashamed. You will not be disgraced, God says. Well, it sure looked like disgrace when Jesus was hanging on the cross. It sure looked like humiliation when they were stripping Him naked and hanging Him there. Uh, But the Bible teaches that what Jesus was doing at that moment is He was stripping Satan naked. He was stripping Satan of His power. He He was... He was... He was taking Satan through the streets of Rome and exposing him. When he got up on the cross and he bore our sin and bore our disgrace and bore our rebellion, Satan was stripped. Satan lost. Jesus won. He looked humiliated. Stick around a few days. Go talk to the centurion who were guarding the tomb. Ask them what he looked like on the third day. Did he look humiliated when the angel dropped from heaven and rolled the stone back and he walked out? He didn't look humiliated then. It's true of you as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. Jesus is with you. Never leave you. Never forsake you. What can man do to you? Nothing is the demanded answer can't do anything. Not a hair from your head will fall unless God says so. And if God says so, it's for your good. It's for your growth. It's for your glory. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane humbled himself as Moses should have humbled himself. We find here, as someone has said, a prophet uh, in Jesus who's like Moses, but here we see a prophet uh, who, uh, in Jesus who is not like Moses. He didn't hesitate. He didn't vacillate. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew what was coming, and he said, Father, if possible, let this cup come, pass from me. 
Nevertheless, not my will, but let thy will be done. You see in Mary the same thing when the angel came to her and the angel said to her that she would give birth and she said, Behold, the servant of the Lord, let it be to me as, as you have said. Well, Jesus was the same way. Zacharias wasn't. Moses wasn't. Why was it the men that always had problems in the Bible? Well, you ever think about that? Always the men who are boneheaded, you know? Got to get their act together. Um, yeah, they yawn about it, don't they? Jesus said, John 4, 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, I always do the things that are pleasing to the Father. When he was suffering, when he was reviled, when he was threatened, he kept entrusting himself to his Father who judges righteously because Jesus knew what was coming. He knew that glory was coming. That glory was going to fill the temple. And not the temple in Jerusalem, but people. God's glory was going to fill you. And for the joy, for the joy of seeing that glory in you. And seeing you in glory for that joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. He said, it's okay. I'll go through with it because I can see what's coming. Can you see what's coming? Being with Jesus. Being in glory. Glorified. Glorifying Jesus. No sin. No shame. No humiliation, no rebellion, no snake, no serpent, no brokenness, no fallenness. It's coming. And because it's coming, God has called you to be a part of that glory. He's called you to be a part of serving to that end. That there might be glory filling a tabernacle. When you think about that, when you think about people who are lost and, and you come in contact with them and then you, you think about the fact that, that glory, God's glory, could potentially fill this individual, that'll get you moving. That'll get you motivated when you think about how glory filled your soul and how glory could fill their soul and how they could be used to, to share Jesus so that glory could fill somebody else's soul. It'll get you moving when you think about heaven and glory and being there as a, as a jewel in the wall of God's temple. Being a precious stone. God has already made you a precious stone. He's made you a precious jewel. Oh, yes, He has. And He's filled you with the Holy Spirit. Yes, He has. You are a powerhouse. You may not believe it, but you are. God lives inside of you if you believe in Christ. God intends to work through you and through your weaknesses to get glory for Himself, to make a name for Himself. God is able to do, now unto Him, that's what it says, right? Unto Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to the power at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Let the church say amen.